possible to return to a fulfilling, challenging, successful career after a long career break? After listening to this story, we want your answer to be a resounding yes. I'm Anna. And I'm Karen. We're both coaches with Women Returners, the Return to Work Specialists. We work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of 2, 5, 10 or even 15 years. And we're excited now to share some of their inspirational stories with you. On our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people sharing the ups and downs of their return to work journeys after taking long career breaks for childcare, elder care, health or other reasons. After each story, Karen and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips. And a big thank you to Credit Suisse for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Credit Suisse were one of the pioneering employers in supporting talented professionals to return to work after a career break. Their Real Returns program currently runs in the US, UK, India and Switzerland and offers returners a smooth transition back into the workforce. After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories and a range of return to work opportunities. And do sign up to our free network and Facebook group too for extra support and connection. And now, over to this week's guest. I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Zani Kokolova-Weldon. Zani enjoyed an early career in academia, working in nuclear physics in Germany. When her twin boys were born, she took a three and a half year career break during which time she also relocated her young family to the UK. When she was ready to return to work, she found the route back challenging, and the turning point came when she heard about the Daphne Jackson Fellowship, a two-year programme supporting people to return to science after a career break. Today, Zani is a reader in nuclear physics and works as director of the Positron Imaging Centre at the University of Birmingham. In 2020, she won a TimeWise Power Returner Award celebrating her ability to combine career success at a senior level whilst working flexibly. Zani also now supervises a current Daphne Jackson Fellow, passing on the baton of helping other women return to science. Zani, welcome. Hi, Karen. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. Zani, tell us a little bit about your career in academia before your career break. What were some of the highlights for you? There were loads of uh, highlights. I mean, first of all, of course, I was very excited to study, you know, went to university to study physics, and I really enjoyed that. And for me, it was clear towards the end of my study, somewhere around the fourth year, that I really want to continue doing this. I really want to continue and I want to do more research as well. I really enjoyed the experimental part of things. And then extremely happy because I managed to secure a big fellowship for Germany and I was there in a a really very renowned group in the field, one of the leaders in the field of light exotic nuclei, experimentally. And I was thinking, I'm living the dream. (laughs) Everything is wonderful. I got my PhD. I was getting a lot of this Confidence, confidence in your ability, although you're one of the very few female faces around in the nu- in the nuclear physics group. And I was starting to feel like that's where I belong. I fully not just capable, the doubt, the self-doubt, which I was absolutely uh, full of <laughs> during all that time was disappearing nicely. And this young, confident woman was really blossoming out. And then, of course, I I met a lovely Yorkshire lad 
and we fell in love and the rest is a history. I got pregnant and I was very fortunate to get pregnant quite fast. I was not expecting this at all, but it was absolutely amazing. Even this happened very fast, great. Everything is happening. Wonderful. Yeah, then this is when life happens. And um, I lost our son in the fifth month and... uh, it was uh, very hard. I mean, it's now 14 in April will be 15 years after and I'm still, yeah, it is still not easy to talk about it. I mean, I can talk about it now and I think it's important to share this. I actually want to share this with you because for so long I have been keeping uh, this for myself, but I realized that this shaped my life very much. It made me who I am. Until then, I was really very career focused and I was thinking that's what is important. And I think in a way it's very, I think it was normal in some way. You are young, you're, all your life is in front of you. You're trying to get better. You're trying to get higher. It's just a normal drive for bettering yourself and bettering your position in all directions, professionally, financially, in all directions, in all those things which you think are, or I was thinking at that time, they're really important. I think that life just taught me a big lesson because I was always before that driven by, you know, one step, second step, you go up. And if there is a step back, you just, you're resilient, you step back and you get on the ladder again and you continue and you conquer that. And this was very different because this was like, I don't need to conquer that. It's fine. I'm sad. I'm feeling absolutely horrible. And, but I'm just going to see how, how life continues. And I'm just going to see what is waiting for me just down the line. And yeah, I was also extremely fortunate because I got pregnant again. I mean, it took a little bit in terms of to go over this second pregnancy because I was so scared. Originally, I was I was petrified. I was ecstatic in terms of extremely happy I'm pregnant. And then I was absolutely petrified because I knew there whole, I mean, nine months, which at that time looked like or felt like forever until the babies will come. And that was the other thing. So I got pregnant and I was told that I'm pregnant with twins. And thing else, this is also a high risk pregnancy. So I was really like, oh gosh, nine months felt like nine years at least until the boys were out. Those big ups and more of the big downs as well shake you, at least with me, they really shake you fully in terms of that reshape the way you are as a person, your core values, your your feelings. I don't know if you can explain or you can describe this as emotional matureness or you're kind of like getting more emotionally mature or personally mature, but certainly you're not the same after that as a person. You know, the way you think about things, the way you understand, the way you comprehend life and everything around you is different. And thank you, Danny, because that is a very personal story to tell of about losing your son and how actually that did really shake, as you said, you kind of shook your values to the core and through that whole process made you almost reevaluate who you are, your identity, your purpose, all those sorts of things that started to come into play. Thank you for sharing such a, a 
personal story and I'm guessing it probably then had an impact in terms of once you'd had your twin boys on you deciding to take a career break. Absolutely. It, it, it made me entirely reevaluate what I value, what I want and what, it's, this is a very good phrase from modern society and leadership and everything, define success. Really to define what for me success means, what for me personally success means. Is it just success in career or not. And that made me realize very fast that career is important. I certainly think for me as a person, this is one of the things uh, which are important for me to be professional, to get to some position where you can also make a positive impact, not just for yourself, but also for others. And this requires in certain way a career progression. So that's important for me. And I knew that. But I also realized that what is even more important for me to look after a little person. And when the boys were born, I was, I don't know how to say, I was really full of motherly feelings. And I decided that I don't know if I need three months or four months or three years or four years. I don't know how long it takes. And this was the definition. I have to be there for my children, for the boys, for as long as they need me. I was like, how long is that? I think my husband at that time was getting a bit worried because <laughs> he was thinking, that's it. <laughs> you know, I, I have to feed her now forever in terms of uh, he'll have to be a sole <laughs> provider for the family. You can imagine that when you're at the same level in terms of how much you're earning and one disappears, <laughs> the other one is not extremely happy always. So I had to leave this when the boys are born, I decided one thing. I will see. Because, you know, by, by the end of the day, those are my children. So I'm their mom. So I'm ought to be somehow able. There must be some wonderful natural mechanism. Because all that is happening. I will just watch them. I will just see if at some point I start feeling like it actually probably don't need me so much now. And that's what happened. Scary as it might sound. And it was for me at that time. Because I also realized shortly after the boys were born that I am also missing my science. I'm missing the intellectual challenge and this interaction with the people around me. Sani, it's really interesting. You talk about what's important is defining success for yourself. And you talk about for you, that's both having a successful career where you're progressing, but also that 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 personal life, that that family. And you kind of had this career break for a number of years, but then you got to that point where you felt like you were beginning to miss the professional, you were missing your science, the, the wonderful, very high-flying career that you'd had. Tell us a little bit about your journey of, of trying to get back to that passion. What were some of the challenges for you? Yeah, one of the challenges started with the fact that actually I was missing my science and my, the interaction with other people much earlier than I returned. I was really driven by the strong feelings I had at that time that, yes, I would like now to go back, but this is just a small part of me, a bigger part of me wants to be here with my children, looking after my children. I saw that when my boys reached around two, 
they started being a little bit more independent because they were otherwise they just kind of like they were holding they were holding each one will hold one of my legs and they'll move with me the whole day around literally but then they're getting a little bit more interested to communicate with each other and the world around or whatever and this was part of my coping mechanism for losing my first son so that was right for me and this is why it took me so long but one of the other reasons is why it was almost three and a half years after it takes some time and i wanted to start and look around and discuss with my employer how that's gonna work before this happens i like to plan things and this was when I realized that, I mean, who's going to take me? It's not that easy. At that time, there were no positions at the university. I thought, okay, I started to apply for fellowships. As you would do, you know, if there are no positions in science, at least in physics, you apply for fellowships. And I started applying for fellowships. And suddenly after the first response on my fellowship application, I realized that I have a gap in my career now in my scientific career and you're competing for the fellowships with the top people and when it comes to getting to an interview or getting a fellowship or not at the final selection which i a manifesto of you know how well i was doing before that i did i was getting through the first round but never through the final rounds and i've spoken to people and asked to find out and they realize that yeah i have a gap and that is this tiny difference which at the end makes the final decision not in your favour. I would love to hear how did then participating in the Daphne Jackson Fellowship, how did that help you get back to work? Shortly after I started applying for fellowships and I saw that having a gap in your career is makes a significant impact in terms of if you'll be successful or not. At that time, I mean, I'm talking about 11, 12 years ago, I realised that Applying for the fellowships for me may not be an option. I've had a couple of uh, first reserve or made it to the interview, but not after that. So I was feeling like, that's it. There are no positions. I'm not getting a fellowship. I have to start thinking about doing something else. But I actually didn't want to do something else. And frankly speaking, I was also, well, well, why should I be actually looking for doing something else? When that's what I studied, that's what I wanted to do. And now I, I just, I don't, don't want to. As I said, there is some element of stubbornness with me. I was just like, why do I have to change? I don't want to do that. And then just by chance, one of my husband's colleagues, a professor from Surrey, Paddy Regan, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm really forever thankful to Paddy. Just mentioned to my husband, because in a conversation, my husband mentioned probably that I'm looking for been unsuccessful in a way with the fellowship applications and he said oh why don't you uh, contact the Daphne Jackson Trust and my husband told me I had a look around found Paddy has given him even the details so I rang them I rang them on the phone and I still remember I was uh, extremely excited and also very anxious you know, they did a phone interview and then there was afterwards, you know, when you moved it, an interview in person in London. But I remember that I was so nervous during that because I could also see that 
am I not even be eligible for this? Am I not be able to even apply for this? Because my CV is extremely strong and I'm almost making it for the normal fellowships. So they may not want me because they will need to support people who are probably more in need. Crazy situation. I was like neither here or there. And I'm forever thankful to the trust. And I cannot praise them enough for the fact that they decided to take me and give me the opportunity for two years to have two years part-time, which was also what was suitable for me. I didn't want to go back immediately on full-time. I was just starting to cope emotionally and starting to feel a bit more like I'm standing properly on the ground with both feet as a mom and as professional. And now suddenly I didn't want to just destroy all that going back full time at work and starting to feel again like I'm not doing a good job as a person, as a mom, you know, having a personal conflict with myself, with my values. And this was why the fellowship was not just perfectly suited in terms of having the flexibility to be part-time, but also give me enough time. I think that two years is about the right time you need to adjust One year would have been not enough. And as I found afterwards, I mean, this is story of my life, ups and downs. I got the fellowship and I was extremely happy about this. And I was also extremely happy that actually there was this person from Birmingham who offered me to join their group before that, when I was uh, still a high flyer, was also very happy to be my Daphne Jackson supervisor or to host me at the university. And that was great. Uh, Looking forward to the boys as well, starting after that in September school. My, My dad was diagnosed with stomach cancer and terminally ill. So... You know, that was a tough half a year because I looked after him and the boys started preschool and I started my fellowship. And it was probably a couple of things together in terms of how I survived this at all. You know, looking back now, I just think, yeah, I had my doubts how I'm going to really go through this, but especially this roller coaster of uh, having a bit of hope and not having hope and having hope again and not, and that getting better and worse. Also getting to to cope with the fact that they've told us how long is left and you have to realize and to in some way accept something you cannot accept, that no matter how much you want to fight, the days are counted. It might be a bit longer, but the days are counted. I think now looking back, I think if I did not have the flexibility and the understanding from the Daphne Jackson people, understandable and comforting people there was absolutely amazing and a great support for me. Because having my science alongside everything else, what was happening was a lifesaver for me. I There was so much happening I had no control over and I could not change no matter how much I was trying or wanting to change. And science or my little island of research and uh, university interaction was actually this part where I had some control over. I mean, it's 
as, as ridiculous as it sounds. I was feeling I can change something there. And it seems that so many, such a roller coaster of emotions and experiences that you were going through. And as you say, the flexibility that the trust gave you really helped you to kind of accommodate all these things that were going on in your life. In terms of the work piece, and you talk about that being a bit of a savior at that time for you, that place where you can escape to, where you've got a a feeling of control that you can change things. What do you think really helped you to get back up to speed in terms of the, the work piece, in terms of science? So you'd had this break of three and a half years, but what did you do for yourself that sort of really helped you feel that you were back operating at the level that you wanted to be? I'm going to be honest, I was, in a way for me, was overwhelming. I think it was also in parts because of what was happening otherwise in my life at that time. But it was overwhelming because I wanted to go back and I wanted to go, want to, if possible, overnight gain all the knowledge you need and be back on the top in terms of uh, how much and uh, your expertise and how you're seeing among your colleagues and all that stuff. I was totally overwhelmed because I, I realized, yeah, I, I want, it feels like I want, I want, I want, I want, but I don't know where to start and what to do. And here, what was really essential was that luckily here people at the trust have thought about this. And there was also a, a, a program, which is not extremely intensive, but there were several talks, kind of like workshops, daily workshops, which I had to attend as part of the program which were on writing skills, CV and proposals writing, how you uh, present and stuff like this, where I was having to spend uh, half a day workshop with other returners, other people who had the fellowship. There was also, as part of the fellowship of the whole application, I had to put together with my supervisor and with the, uni- with the supervisor from the university, we had to put a program of some retraining. You know, I was doubting a lot. I was questioning a lot. And this was because of what was happening in my life. But I was really, I was finding it difficult to focus, to find the focus. And that, that helped me really focus. And once I started doing those, I also realized when I went to the first workshop, there were also other people, there people who had all sorts of, in a way, amazing things happening in their life or also tragic things which happened in their life. You know, we, as I said, we all have our ups and downs, no? So you realize the feeling here in you're not alone helps for a lot of people immensely. It helped also me in parts. But what probably helped me even more was that once I was there and I was engaging and I was again doing, learning something, I realized it reminded me how much I really like that. How much this gives me great pleasure. For the first time, I still remember this first workshop organized by the Daphne Jackson Trust I went to because the speaker who was talking to us about CVs and presentations, she stopped talking after the first welcome and it was probably about an hour presentation she gave us talking to us about uh, that. That was an hour. I realized when she finished that for so long, it was the first hour I've spent, and I had not thought about dad or about 
what's happening at the moment. I've managed for an hour to free my head somehow. And that was great. This was really a moment of revelation for me in some way where I thought, wow, I actually, you know, I feel like I've been resting. I feel like I've, you know, I slept probably for a very long time. I felt so refreshed after that because for an hour I'd forgotten all my troubles. This helped me to get some structure and I would, because I used to spend a lot of time next to dad in the hospital, when he was in the hospitalized, I used to spend a lot of time sitting next to him, being there if he needs something, but he would also sleep for a couple of hours and I used to have my laptop in my bag and if dad is asleep, I will just sit there, open my laptop and start reading papers and doing a bit of analysis. And I will be able to also in a way sleep because otherwise I used to try to sleep if he's sleeping because you get tired as well. But I used to always think about it and falling asleep thinking about this, it's not a... And you can't, you really never fully rest because it never leaves your head what's happening at the moment. Yeah, that was for me. I mean, a way to relax. I know it sounds a little bit crazy for a lot of people. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, Relaxing with nuclear physics analysis is probably not what comes to your mind. And I will fully understand you. There are much better ways to relax. But this worked for me. I think my brain was so hungry from <laughs> for a bit of a bit of something else a bit of an uh, analytical thinking so that was great the fact that i'm here now and i'm talking to you <laughs> it's a manifesto it has worked it worked and it, it really that different focus helped you get up to speed but that was exactly what i was thinking zanny was thinking relaxing nuclear physics yeah. is, is it really but probably it's just something probably involving that sh- that you were able to therefore and take your mind off some of the other things that was going on. So that makes a lot of sense. I was wondering, Zanina, you've been back at work for quite a number of years now. As you look back on your time since you have been back at work, what are the things both personally and professionally that you are most proud of? Good question. (laughs) What am I most proud of personally and professionally? You know what, I'll start with the personal because that's what comes first to mind. And... uh... I am, of course, extremely proud mum of twin boys. That was big highlight was to get my boys. There is a mixture. I'm thinking about my personal highlights and I'm thinking about getting a job at the university or, or even the TimeWise 50 award. And those are professionals in some way. But for me, they're connected. They're personal and professional. Managing to get back to my career and progressing in my career at the university, securing a permanent position, all that has been a professional highlight, but actually personally rewarding because this was not just me, you know, I got a position now, I got an academic position. This was also for me as a person, I made it. As a person, I managed to go through all those things which happened and get into a place where I am now able to combine my personal and professional life in a way I have work and I have life and I can try to balance them. So that was really a personal achievement. 
And personally, what I found very rewarding was as well that having been through so much and being able to get in a position where I can now influence and make things easier for other people after me to come, or also in some cases, I've been taken as an example or as a case in science, especially that we can work and create more opportunities for returners or for people who need to return, you know, to see this, that actually those people are a really high quality and an amazing, in a way, market you are otherwise losing for the science community, which you should not, because those are not people who are, in a way, somehow worse scientists or not good enough scientists to drive the field forward. They just need to be supported a little bit at some point. They just need a bit of support. And I think this, for me personally, has been the biggest thing is to show that even after three and a half years career break, afterwards, you can go back to lead, lead the field or lead being in a leading position, being able to do the research and like the colleagues around you without any difference. Put it that way. If, if somebody meets me now, they're not going to say, oh yeah, I can see she's been on a career break. No, that was, I think this is probably for me also another highlight. And such an inspiring message as well, that probably because of the career break and all the things that you will have gained during your career break, you can return to your career and continue to lead and to have an impact. Final question for you, Zani. Lots of listeners will be thinking about their own return to work. What advice would you have for other people on a career break who are where you were back in 2010 thinking about, you know, I'm feeling ready. How do I even begin? How do I get back to work? Oh, gosh, I think that I have uh, left you with the wrong impression, Karen. I I don't think I was feeling like I'm ready. Ready. I was full of doubt, full of doubt, absolutely full of doubt. I was really absolutely petrified as well and thinking all the time, rethinking. So my husband used to, I mean, used to say, uh, this is really like a mantra in my head. He used to say, stop rethinking, just, you know. And I was like, no, how can you not rethink it? I was full of uh, doubt and I was also... I was also not feeling extremely confident, to be honest, at all. Not at all. The opposite. I had my moments. It was a bit of, I don't know, I hope it's just me like that. I really hope that uh, the people uh, who are listening this are much, much better than me in terms of dedicated, decided, and they can do this straight and they have no second thought. I was really full of questions and questioning massively myself if I will be able to do this, if this is worth it, if I should not be doing something else, if I'm going to be able, what if now in two years I'm in the same position and I actually have to then start looking for another job and, oh gosh, I really, oh, at some point I just had to say, you know what, I'm just going for it. Okay, that's it. (laughs) Because there is one way to to find out if the water at sea is cold. You step in and you see if it's cold. And And I went for this approach. And I'm not regretting it. And I can say I am the living proof it works, it's possible. And it's actually not that hard at all. It's not that difficult as well. If I knew then what I know now, 
I would have not hesitated for, for a minute. I would have just said, okay, I'm doing the fellowship. And in any case, no matter if you decide to continue in academia after that, or you actually even realize that having done this project, having done, yeah, having been in the academia, that you actually want to go to industry or do something different, you win. It's really a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation because you won't be asking afterwards yourself, oh, what if I had tried to go back into science? You won't have those doubts because you would have done this and you can really decide and you had enough flexibility to give yourself time to see what you want. It's really great. I, for me, this was a very important time of growing, maturing in terms of emotionally and professionally and personally in all directions. So this is a message I, I really would like uh, to be able uh, to bring across to anybody who is considering returning and listening to us listening to me at this point is uh, just be really a little bit more forgiving in terms of be a bit more gentle to yourself. I, I have not done this always. If I regret something now looking back is actually this, that I was so tough to myself really. And I was so not forgiving and so not gentle with myself because I was all the time putting some goals and trying to get myself there and really feeling totally disappointed and disheartened that I have not got this uh, fellowship or I did not get there at the moment I, I have thought I have to be there. And actually just, just give yourself some time. If I go back now and I just would have enjoyed this so much more, I would have enjoyed the process so much more. And, and the only one difference I would do is really just give myself some time and tell myself it's absolutely fine. It is absolutely okay. You are now struggling probably with this scientific concept or you have forgotten this. It's fine. It just makes it so hard. And I made it very hard for myself. I'm not going to lie to you. I did make it very hard for myself. And now being here, I can tell you I made it. Everyone can make it for sure. Certainly, I know it is uh, kind of like a phrase, probably a bit uh, misused in a way, used too much, but it's true. You know, I'm, I am nothing special, 100%, nothing special in terms of I'm not genius. I am not anything. I'm a normal, normal woman. I was just about to say I'm a normal girl, but I'm a normal woman. I've had my ups and downs. And I think the biggest reason why I've got where I am is because I wanted this. I decided that this is what is good for me. I would like to do, I want to do this. Wonderful advice, Danny. And some of the things that I took out of there was that, but you talked about about dipping your toe in, giving something a go. It's only by doing that that you'll know what it's like. There's a piece there around almost that first opportunity back is, is a stepping stone. It may not be completely perfect, but it gives you a chance to see what might then come next. That bit that you talked about of being just being a bit more gentle, a bit more forgiving of yourself. I think that's such important and, and really helpful advice. 
And then the last bit that you shared, you know, for me, it came through. You believed in yourself that it was possible, but you also worked hard to continue to pursue your goals and and your dreams through that time. Wonderful advice that I know will be really useful for others who may be on career break now. Danny, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your your story and all the personal bits as well, the, the tough times, the challenges, and particularly on a very personal note, because although, yes, we're talking about a career break and returning to work, that also is tied up in broader life and broader identity and work is not separate from your life. So thank you for being willing to share the personal side to your returning to work journey as well. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Karen. And thank you very much, Anna. It's been wonderful to spend a bit of my morning. It's actually a lovely sunny morning, which is great. The birds are singing. So it's uh, been a wonderful experience. And I do hope if uh, people are listening to us that they really give themselves a chance. Just give yourself a chance and try and see. Wonderful. Thank you, Tony. So Karen, I found listening to Zanny's story really fascinating and I think one of the things that stuck with me was that TimeWise award that she won and how she's managed to be able to continue to progress her career while also working flexibly. Yes, right from the start, the Daphne Jackson Fellowship was a two-year part-time fellowship which enabled her to balance resuming her career in nuclear physics with being a great mum for her two young boys as well as being there for her dad when he was ill, which was so important to her. And although, yes, Danny did work part-time, there are lots of different forms of flexible working. So yes, there's part-time working, but there's also what's called compressed hours. And that may be, for example, you work a 40-hour week, but over four days rather than five. There's adjusted hours, so maybe you start early, finish early, or start late, finish late, or, or even finish early a couple of days in the week. So you can do pick up from school, for example. There's also working from home, which of course we're all much more familiar with these days. And some more progressive employers are considering things like term time only working. So if you're thinking about working flexibly, remember that there's lots of different forms. Yeah, and there's also informal flexibility that doesn't need to be contractually agreed, but rather more informally agreed with a line manager. We find that many returners are really happy to return to full time for a flexible employer who will appreciate that they have a life outside of work and might sometimes want to finish earlier to watch their kids on sports day or or take an elderly parent to the doctor. I think it's worth mentioning, though, at the same time, that if you're thinking about wanting to work flexibly on your return to work, Rather than starting with flexible working as your number one, your key criteria, if you do that, the challenge is is that that's going to massively restrict your potential job options. So instead, we'd recommend starting off, first of all, with thinking about um, what does fulfilling work look like for you? So start with looking for work that is challenging, interesting, that aligns really well with your skills, your strengths, your interests, your experience. So start first with looking for fulfilling work and then try to figure out how you can fit your life around that. Now, in saying that though, employers are much more open to flexible working nowadays. Yeah, and I think the pandemic has been a fabulous national case study in how effective working flexibly can be. As Annie has demonstrated, you can develop, you can enjoy challenging work and continue to progress your career at a senior level, all whilst working flexibly and making time for the important things in life outside of work. 
Thanks for joining us today. And we really hope that this story will inspire you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast. And when you get a moment, we'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A big thank you again to Credit Space for supporting us to create this podcast series. Credit Space has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years. Take a look at their Real Returns program if you're thinking about returning to work. With a focus on transferable skills, the program has been important in opening new career directions for returners across the years. And if you're looking for more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free Returners Network to hear about returner opportunities and join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group. We look forward to you joining us again for the next episode of the Career Returners podcast.